When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw, <laughs> babe, just a few. <laughs> All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Center. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show with 670 The Scores' Jay Zawoski and NBC Chicago's James Navo. That's right, disembodied voice. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. Jay Zawoski is not with me tonight. He is taking some uh, well-deserved rest after working really hard at the score the last few days. And no, that is not sarcasm. He actually has been. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk you guys through the uh, 2-1 to loss. Or sorry, 3-2 to loss, whatever. I don't know how hockey scoring works that the Blackhawks just picked up at the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yet another loss at the United Center. Just a really poor homestand overall for the Blackhawks, who just keep losing ground in the playoff race. Now six points out of the final wild card spots, and more importantly, still with four teams that they would need to jump in order to get back into the postseason hunt. So might as well start off uh, this postgame show breaking down what happened in the overtime. Well the six seconds of overtime that we got tonight. The Blackhawks did get a point against Toronto. However, they were unable to get the second point because William Nylander scored his 10th goal of the season in overtime on a penalty shot to give the Maple Leafs the win. You just got to break it down uh, frame by frame, I guess, because the opening face-off of the frame, it was not Jonathan Taves on the ice to start the overtime, despite the fact the Blackhawks did have the last change in that period. 
they actually put Nick Schmaltz and Patrick Kane out to start, which on its face seems like a good idea. But you do have to ask yourself, is it a good idea to have Nick Schmaltz, who has not been able to win 50% of his face-offs really all season long, is it a smart idea to put him out to start overtime against a really fast, really tough Toronto team? And I know that's going to be a lot of uh, hindsight going on there and probably not really all that fair to question Joel Quenville on that, but it turned out to be a big issue because Schmaltz got beaten cleanly off the draw and William Nylander immediately broke up ice as soon as that puck left his stick. Austin Matthews feathered a beautiful pass to him through Duncan Keith who ended up getting caught flat-footed off the draw because Schmaltz lost it so conclusively and ultimately had to commit a penalty to keep Nylander from getting a clean scoring chance on Jeff Glass, ended up being awarded a penalty shot, and ended up scoring to give the Maple Leafs the win. So definitely a questionable decision, I think, by Joel Quenville. Uh, Definitely a defensible one, too, because really how much game planning are you really doing in that three-on-three situation? And really... How can you just say, well, we need to win that opening face-off? It's a five-minute overtime. I'm willing to give Joel Quenville a little bit of a break on that, I think, but I also think that it is fair to question uh, that play in general. Uh, Now that we've kind of talked about the overtime and kind of what happened there, I think we can go ahead and hop back into the meat of the game, the regulation time, and we really have to start with Brent Seabrook, who had quite a game today and I say that both in a positive fashion and that he scored a power play goal which we will get to really want to call out something on that goal that I really liked and then did a couple of things that I didn't like too so we're going to get to the full breadth of the Brent Seabrook experience that we got to have tonight at the United Center it was quite lovely actually I know I'm speaking like a wine aficionado now you're gonna have to bear with me it's been a very long day for me today so we'll start with the Brent Seabrook goal which I absolutely loved what the Blackhawks did instead of doing their usual like move the puck occasionally and kind of slowly meander around the zone they set up a really interesting uh, structure on this power play goal they ended up pushing the puck below the blue the goal line excuse me And they did this beautiful low-to-high passing play where they whipped it around the boards. Seabrook pinched in from the blue line. The Maple Leafs' defense really looked like they were kind of taken aback by it, and they really didn't defend it all that well. Seabrook found a really uh, comfortable seam there in the middle of the ice and rifled off an excellent shot. And even though it was deflected on the goal, The fact of the matter is that Seabrook did score it, and it was a really well-designed play. And I really liked that attitude by the Blackhawks. You want to get the opposing defense moving around. You don't want them to be able to kind of settle in and to kind of read what you're going to do. And they did a really nice job of kind of forcing the issue on that play, and I really liked that high-low play that they used. They used it again a few times later in the game at even strength, and I thought it was really interesting that they kind of kept going back to that well. And it was a good thing because the Maple Leafs just, they weren't able to defend it. The Blackhawks just kept going there. The Maple Leafs kept failing to defend it. And even though it only resulted in one goal, 
I liked that strategy. It showed me that they really were willing to kind of throw a different look out there than they've probably been putting on film recently. And I think Toronto really had a difficult time kind of keeping up with that. I also have to bring up the fact that I thought that Anthony Duclair had a really solid game tonight. You're really noticing his speed a lot, especially against these kind of quicker teams. I've really been kind of enjoying seeing him in that role of that kind of ice-stretching guy. Had a couple of really nice four checks tonight, one of which almost resulted in a goal by Alex DeBrinkett. Boy, those guys together can definitely wreak some havoc out on the ice, and I really liked the kind of chemistry that they had the few times that they were on the ice together. I definitely was a fan of that. I, I really like the aggressiveness that Duclair is showing. I think that he's showing a lot of um, the kind of grittiness that Joe Quenville likes to see from his players. He's forechecking hard. He's really kind of working hard on that defensive side of the ice, and it's definitely a way to stay in the lineup if you're going to continue to do that. So I like the speed, like the grittiness. I really thought that he had a really nice game tonight. So that's one of the good things. I also liked how the Blackhawks came out in this game. They had some really good chances early on. Hit a lot of posts. Could have easily been a 2-0, 3-0 game if they had gotten a couple of those to go in. It was really surprising to kind of see them kind of come out and just punch Toronto right in the mouth. It was a good sign early on. And I know that we're we're getting to the point now where moral victories just they're not a thing anymore. We're getting to the point where you just have to start getting points. And I think we've obviously been at that point for a little while now. And there's a really good chance that it might be a little bit of too little too late if we continue, you know, getting this late into the season, coughing up points the way the Blackhawks have. But I still like the way they played initially. I still like the way they came out. And they could have easily put up two or three goals on the Maple Leafs to start the game. So... Those are kind of some of the good things that I saw in this game. I, I did like the lines that Joel Quenville put together as well. I definitely think that Brandon Sod and Patrick Kane was an interesting look. And I definitely like the fact that Alex DeBrincat was up there playing in the top six. I think that you saw in his game tonight that he had a little bit of extra jump in his game than that when he gets that little bit of extra space on the ice that comes with kind of playing with those talented line mates. You can see the amazing work that he does. And I know that we've been talking about him struggling a little bit recently. And I, I still stand by that. I think that he's been having some kind of bad moments in recent weeks, maybe a little bit of fatigue setting in, but at the same time, I definitely think that he looked like he was rejuvenated a bit tonight by playing on that top line. And I liked seeing him play with those kind of talented guys. So it, it, it's hard to you know move away from the good, but we're unfortunately going to have to because there were some pretty bad moments in this game too. And we're going to, once again, we're going to start with Brent Seabrook, who had the goal, drew a penalty, had some really good moments tonight. He had some really bad moments, too. His penalty in the third period kind of gave Toronto a bit of momentum. Didn't like that at all. But more importantly, I want to talk about the icing incident in, I think it was the first period of the game, where Seabrook went back, blatantly should have been an icing. There is no contesting the fact that that, the play should have been blown dead for icing. Seabrook clearly got back in time. Officials made no effort to wave it off. I mean, that 
simply put, was a mistake by the officials. That being said, Brent Seabrook has been in this league for an extremely long time. And I know once you give the puck away, you're frustrated because it should have been icing. You are irritated at the officials. You know deep down that that should have been the case. But at that point, you have to continue to play defense. And simply put, Brent Seabrook did not do that. He spent too much time wallowing in misery and complaining about the call as the play is still going on on the ice. And ultimately, Toronto ends up putting the puck in the back of the net and Seabrook's still barking at the officials, rightfully mad. But at the same time, you have to just shut up and get back in position. At a certain point, the injustice that you have just been delivered has to be forgotten. And you have to remember, hey, I'm playing defense right now. I am currently on the ice while Toronto has the puck in my zone. I have to shut up and play defense. And that, simply put, is what Brent Seabrook needed to do, and he just didn't do it. And I'm, you're never going to get me to say, oh, well, you know, he should have known it wouldn't have been an icing. Blatantly should have been icing. No one's going to question that. What I am going to question is whether or not he let that get to him, and I would argue that he did. So you just got to suck it up and just keep playing, man. You got to play to the whistle in this league, and it's not fair, and it sucks, and I get it. (sighs) So now that I've gotten that off my chest, we can get back to talking about the Blackhawks' uh, struggles on the power play outside of the goal they scored in the first period. Look, I know they got... A second power play goal. And kudos to Nick Schmaltz for getting that loose puck in the crease, grabbing it, and flipping it home. That was a really nice play by him. Great screen by Artem Anisimov. I know Toronto fans are ticked off right now because that play wasn't overturned after some of the stuff they've dealt with with goaltender interference this season. But on that play, and my wife can attest to this if I asked her and put her on microphone right now, as I think it was Vincent Henestrosa was holding the puck near the faceoff dot, holding it, holding it, I was like, you've got to move the puck. You're literally just allowing Toronto to reset their defense. And I know that the goal ended up happening, and I know that Artem Anisimov had a great screen, and I know all of these things, but you got to move the puck, guys. You saw it on the first power play goal of the game. Moving the puck is what moved Toronto's defense around. And what did they do? They sat there and sat there and sat there. Their second and third power plays of this game, they got one shot apiece. That's simply not good enough. You cannot only get one shot on goal in two minutes of power play time. And I know one of those is abbreviated, so I apologize in advance, I guess in retrospect for screwing that up. But... You have to get more shots on goal than they did on the power play. And it just, it's something that they cannot continue to do. There is a reason you're the 29th ranked power play in the NHL. There is a reason your your power play sucks at home. I mean, there's no other way to phrase it. Your power play sucks at home. You have got to do a better job of moving the puck, moving the defense, and getting shots on net. That simply has to happen. Finally, I got to call him out, man. I got I have to call him out again. 
I I was not impressed with the way Duncan Keith played tonight. It looked like he was a step slow on a lot of plays tonight. He had some pretty bad defensive positioning at times. I'm not going to fault him too much for the goal by William Nylander. I thought that that was definitely a play that Nick Schmaltz kind of allowed to happen a little bit. But at the same time, if you're Duncan Keith, you have to react better than that. You have to know, like, look, these guys can simply burn up ice and just come right at you. He missed his opportunity. He looked a little bit, dare I say, Brent Seabrook-ish on that play. I didn't like what I saw there at all by Duncan Keith. Had some other bad moments in the game, and I just thought overall, not a great night for him. I I was not impressed. And in that same vein a little bit, Jonathan Taves, if I'm being honest, has kind of reverted back to the kind of tentative, slow player that he was at times earlier in the season. I'm just not seeing the same drive out of him that we were seeing when he was kind of starting to score some goals and get his groove back a little bit. I believe that he just, he needs to react faster when he's on the ice. He needs to play the game with a little bit more urgency, with a little bit more pace. I'm never going to say Jonathan Taves just dogging it on offense. Like that's really not the way he operates, but at the same time, you got to do better, man. You, you have to be better than what you've shown these last few games. And now that the Blackhawks have gotten one point out of their last four games, they are in a really, really bad situation with only one game left to go before the All-Star break. That game, by the way, will be played tomorrow night at the arena that I like to call the Mike Illich Gordy Howe Arena up there in Detroit. This will be the first time the... Blackhawks have played a regular season game at the good old pizza box. And frankly, I have to be honest with you, I have no idea who's doing post game tomorrow. So I may end up talking to you. Jay may end up talking to you. Hell, we might just get some guy and just have him, like, I don't know, read flashcards or something and have him do the post game show. It's just, you know, it's a thing we do. We like to not plan occasionally, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have no idea who's going to be on tomorrow. I would also like to say that for those of you who will be near your television sets on Sunday after the NHL All-Star Game, yours truly will be on Sports Sunday on NBC5 talking some Blackhawks after... Patrick Kane undoubtedly carries the Central Division to victory and gives the Central Division home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup Final. Wait, I don't think that's how it works. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and go consult my rule book and see what the bonuses are, etc. But before I sign off for tonight, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Triple Threat Sports. You can call Chris for all your custom jersey needs. Big shout out to him for the Chicago Wolves t-shirts that he made up for our last event at the uh, Wolves game on Saturday. They were absolutely 100% like just mind-blowing shirts. Please give them a call if you need anything done with jerseys. A shout out to Marishka is one of our longtime sponsors. We absolutely love those guys. We love their poor boys. We love their Icelandic cod. We love everything about them, including the Zadralovich family. So if you're ever in the Crest Hill area, absolutely go visit them. And finally, a big shout out to our uh, sponsors, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. By the way, going to be sampling their new menu here very soon. Fingers crossed that's sometime in the next week because I need 
an infusion of that Chuck's goodness. I know that sounded really weird. Um, Awkward silence here. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and break the awkward silence and say good night to all you guys. Thanks for listening to my rambling, irritated, sort of happy. I don't know. This team's just making me feel all sorts of things, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. So one of us will talk to you guys tomorrow night about the Blackhawks. Thanks again for tuning in to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.